everyone. Welcome to Dr. Drew Podcast. Appreciate you all being here, being a part of this. And uh, do send us our su- your suggestions at contact.drdrew.com if you have anything you'd like me to get into. As well as please do support the people that support us. And do not forget to check out After Dark and some of the other things we're doing, like the streaming show, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday at 3 o'clock, drdrew.tv. Some interesting stuff going on there I think you'd find. Today, Cheryl Burke, um, you sort of need no introduction, Cheryl. I think everyone knows who you are. <laughs> Uh, Dancing with the Stars is how we got to know you, and uh, here you are still with us. So, what, what, where shall we start? What's happening these days? Oh my gosh! Well, there's still a lot of stuff happening. Um, I know. I've been on this show for twenty. I was on the show for twenty six seasons. I retired last year. Um, I now have a new podcast called Sex Lies and Spray Tans. I'm pretty sure you know what that you know is alluding to. Um, and it's been very therapeutic, yet also. Um, like I'm still grieving, obviously, for my decision, you know, to leave the show. And yeah. it's interesting because it's like now my new job is to continue to watch the show. And normally, most likely, I wouldn't be doing that, <laughs> right? That like, so interesting, right? Well, now, so, I, they, do you do you get to um, pull the curtain back a little bit in the podcast? I mean, do you, are you free to do that now? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, well, but before I'm sure you couldn't, but but I mean, do you have a liability or anything now? When well, I'm not it? disparaging the show, and I think that's what the main, um, you know, concern. I mean, I'm sure is and was. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I'm just having my, you know, guests that have been a part or, or have been on the show for, you know, even from like the very first celebrity who was eliminated, Trista Sutter, who was the very first Bachelorette. I mean, she's got a lot of stuff to say, and this is like an outlet for people, you know, who just want to kind of have closure because the show is so consuming. It's seven days a week, as you know, it is full on. And then you get it like a quick goodbye at the end, if they have time at the end of the two hour live show. And then you go to New York, do press, and then you're done. Like, it's just... The yeah, the, face. <laughs> the right, and and that's a feature of reality generally that people don't get. I'm so glad you're talking about that. I I always wanted to do a show just called After Reality or something, or After. Right. I wanted to do After uh, Big Brother because, the, you know, before people really understood what reality was, I I was there doing some of those shows when people thought, "Oh my God, I'm a big star now. I need to move back and move to Hollywood and leave my wife," and they would make these massive changes in their life. When in fact they're just dropped out of the sky after Literally. the reality show, yeah, and and then you start to hear. I've started to hear more recently people complaining about that. People like yeah. they didn't support us. So I felt I was abandoned. Blah blah blah. But but it's like they didn't. You didn't sign up for anything where there's aftercare. Most I mean we had aftercare in celebrity rehab because I insisted on I could do taking care of sick people. It's a very different thing. But there's there is no aftercare from a reality show, and it goes from very very high to nothing. Yeah, just, like poof, poof. Yeah. poof, you're you're done, you're yeah. gone. Unless if you are smart enough to maybe plan ahead, which is not, it's, it's rare. I mean, even if you did plan ahead, you're like, if this is something completely new to you, you know, I've been blessed just to be able to be a part of something so long. I ne- never thought, I thought I was going to be moving here for like one season and just call it a day, you know, sure, like, I did not think this was going to happen for seven Yeah, who knew? Years. Nobody knew. Nobody knew. My right? life. Yeah. <laughs> no. But, um, and, you know, this this podcast I'm doing is not by any means to badmouth the show. Of course not. It is just really an outlet for people just to really express themselves. And because it is an intimate contact sport yes. Yes. and um, people don't understand. And I think the fans who have been there from the beginning, they deserve it too, you know, to know what really goes on behind the scenes. So I have had people close to me do the show. Uh, like Kola did the show one year, if you remember. Then Mike Cather did the show one yes. year. Now my friend Jamie Lynn Spears is in there. Yes. And uh, 
And it is kind of this, I just didn't think of it till this very moment. It is a little bit like special forces. You're just inside. Oh you're in the gosh. camp. Yes. You're just I always there. compare the show to Survivor. Because like, except yeah. we, we get water and we have a roof over our head. But right. like, it is intense. Like, and there's no yeah. other way of doing it. So whoever made this formula up is pretty brilliant, I must say. Yeah. And I don't know if you remember, um, oh, shoot, what's her name? That's the judge now. This is my aging brain stuff. Carrie Ann. No, 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 no. Um, oh, the host, Julian Huff? Julian, Julian. Yeah. When she was teamed up with that young kid, and did he have the appendicitis or she had an oh, appendicitis no, or something? she did. I think she, she got, she had endometriosis or something. Yeah, she I needed think. some kind of surgical intervention and he yeah. freaked out and they brought me in there to talk to them. <laughs> oh, and really? Started, and he started sobbing because he was so attached to her and stuff. And I, I was talking to Adam about it afterwards. He goes, oh, yeah, you're a 20-year-old kid and you're spending every minute of every day with in intimate connect, connection to Julia, Julian Hoff, well, it's just you're going to have that. feelings. You're going to have feelings about that. Of course. And also, it's like, even when I dance with, I mean, I don't just hang up pictures of myself dancing, but because this is my podcast room as well, I've got like a huge um, picture of me and Emmett. Even Emmett, who's like a, obviously a grown-ass man, he like knows what he's doing in his life. And, you know, you just become very connected and you you bond you honestly either hate each other or um love each other because it's really that black and white there's no gray area but you know what i i've always said that in a movie set have you ever been on a movie set i forget i have yes that's another kind of these you know it's like you're in a submarine together and i can understand how if people are in these leading roles and these intimate you know scenes and things away from their family for four months at a time nobody else adult summer camp sensory deprivation except for these people that you're making yeah. out with on a camera you know it's like i get how that people with even slightly problematic boundaries are going to oh, get yeah. into trouble one of the questions i ask on my podcast to all the um, guests i have i'm like who falls in love first the celebrity or the dancer and you know everyone has said the celebrity and it's because you know these celebrities come on with with zero i mean most of them come on with zero dance experience especially ballroom and then you have to be vulnerable in order to succeed mm. on this show you you cannot not be vulnerable you know mm. people can i mean for me and i think a lot of the fans they can see right through it if you're faking it if you're yes. just smiling to get through it if you're you know really excuse my language shitting yourself literally as you're trying to get through this dance you know there has to be an genuine well, like and authentic that. people like bond. it when you're when you're shitting yourself they like seeing <laughs> oh, yeah. that if you get exactly. through it. Yeah. no you're right they they love to root for the underdog <laughs> so so people have they've come they've been around a couple times asking me to do this stuff and oh it'd be great i always thought i would want to prepare for a year before i did there's no such thing you can't do that the other thing here's the other thing and this is what i wanted to ask you i have really messed up shoulders i i can't lift my left shoulder above this okay and i'm seeing all the hand movements and stuff and i think i'm going to get stem cells put in in a couple of weeks and if it heals then i then it's i could be back in the game again but but it's i just can't do it if you can't hold your arms it, but, no, it's but it's like, but true. it's like, isn't it like ice skating or something where you've got to have your, you know, your arms and your bodies in a certain line all the time? So fun fact, I danced with a partner, his name, um, his name is Christian De La Fuente. He broke his arm lie on live television. And this mm. was, um, he dropped me on my head. And I was like, oh, I heard something snap. And Tom Bergeron this. at the time had to cut to commercial. And he became a better dancer because he only had one arm, which was, thank God he didn't, um, break his ligament on the leading arm for the man which is the right side but um as far as you and your you know issues go as physical like your physical um ability it actually Mm. is a 
type of therapy. It's very therapeutic. No, yes. I'm sure it could be. I'm sure it could be, but I but yeah. I'm so super competitive I wouldn't want it to get in the way of anything. You know, that's just nutty. You know but, it's not just but a you're dance making show. me think no, about Andrew. it. It's not you're just make... a dance show, you know? And you're making me think about doing it. You're actually making me consider yes. it. You're welcome when... dancing with the stars. <laughs> <laughs> well, come in your pod immediately after. Yeah. Yes, please. Full, full Actually, report. I prefer during. 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 Okay. Whatever. I, I, you're responsible for this if it happens. Yes, yes I am. Oh I God. really am. It's so funny. I, thought, I mean, I, you would have a great experience. Everybody, you know, it depends on how transparent you are willing to be, and um, if you're willing to be able to show struggle, I think you won't have an issue with that. Obviously, but no. you know, mm-hmm. interestingly, the actors, the people who are maybe not used to reality television, it is mm-hmm. very uh, challenging for them to oh, to show that, um, and because they're not used to live TV, they're not they're used to a couple of takes, and it's like this is not what this this is. And, oh, and it's not even about so much the dance than it is, but like in the package that they air prior to the live performance. Because, like you said, if there's no struggle, what's the what's the? We don't want to see it. Yeah, it's no. not that interesting. This is no yeah. exactly. So, so somebody, but you were saying people fall in love with each other. I'm, I'm sure some of that is just sort of figuratively from sort oh, of being together so much. We all know that it's not love. No, no, yes. but sometimes it. I like I said oh. that kid. I I forget who it was. I met him again later. Was in it the Cody? It's Cody, no, yeah, Cody. It's Cody, yeah, and he was he was in love was with it Julianne. He, no, it was Whitney, Whitney Carson. I'm pretty sure it was Julianne. I can't. There, there, was, are you sure? Because Cody, I'm Dad, sure. Well, I'm sure the dancer I was dealing with was Julianne. I can't okay, remember who, okay. his name. I think his name was Cody or something like that. And um, yeah, I mean, I again, that's a young kid, and and they're you know they're the that's how they are. Yeah, exactly. But but, I, but I'm guessing it also happens for the adults sometimes. Yeah, how do you guys I mean, deal with for that? sure. You know, for us, it's like, okay, great. The season wraps or we get eliminated. It's like, you know, if if you get along, we stay friends. But if, for us, it's not like the, the dry humping, I think is what you're alluding to, isn't necessarily mean anything other than what we're doing, which is the dancing. No, uh, I'm really, I'm actually not. I'm really, what I'm really talking about is the the fact that you are skin to skin right. in, a form, in a formal structured right. way. Yes. That you're there on, with each other for long periods of time, in, and they right. don't get contact with anybody else. You right. know, that, I mean, that by itself do, is. Yeah. I mean, not to, not the way they're involved with you, and they're thinking about right. it, working on it, blah 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 blah. I mean, it happens. I'm not going to say it doesn't happen. It does happen, but it's also like we're living in a not of a reality situation, right? This is yeah. not. I think you know because I think these celebrities become vulnerable, and they do end up, you know. I, for the most part, trusting us and trusting the process. A lot of, um, you know, what we're telling them, they don't know what they're doing. You know, they're just mm. trusting us as their yes. dance coaches yes. to like put your arm out there. Though they may feel funny, but I'm like, no, you got to do it. Like you almost have to make fun of us this, when this, we're this, dancing. This is right? like special forces. I'm telling you, that's all they do is go trust do us. Just do what we tell you. Just did do you what's do that? Did you I do that? did. How I was did. that experience? Phenomenal. If they if they ask you to do it, do it. It's really, I'm ner- I would be so nervous. I thought oh. about like if they asked me and would I do it, and I'm like, oh god. Yeah, you'll you'll lose your mind. I I got sick. <laughs> I got I got I, we were in the heat. It was 120 degrees, wow. and I got dehydration and heat stroke. Ended up in an ICU, and I still wow. don't, I don't regret a second of it. I, I absolutely. What season were you? Who was season the one? We were the first. We were the first oh. group. Yeah, and um. And it was fantastic, and we and we all are close friends still. I mean, Mel B, oh, I you know, texted me, and yeah. Jamie Lynn were all worried about her dancing with the stars, <laughs> and so and so. So it's really, you know. But back to the the post 
phenomenon, the post-reality show. Celebrities kind of get it. They, they don't have that same experience of being let down. They just It's just a job. They do it. It's intense. Yeah. And yeah. they move on. But I've noticed uh, it, it's better these days. But back in the early days of reality, before we, any of us really understood what they were, uh, people would, I, I don't know, they'd get too... Uh, for lack of a better way of saying it, sort of turned on by the experience. And uh, yeah. you have to put it in context. You have to be very, like, yeah, it's intense. Yeah. It's intense. It's designed to be intense. These are, you know, people talk about reality shows being reality. Even when they're not, you know, highly produced, it's hyper-reality. It's very intense. You're about to hear a preview of The Jordan Harbinger Show with the investigator who solved a serial killer case that had gone cold for decades. There was a definite spike in serial predator crime in the 1970s. Joe D'Angelo was a full-time law enforcement officer. He's breaking into houses in the middle of the night, raping women or girls that are home alone that he's binding up and sexually assaulting. He ended up committing 50 of these attacks in Northern California between 1976 and 1979 and just disappeared. The last thing I did in my career before I retired was I drove up and parked in front of his house. I didn't know he was a Golden State killer, but I debated, should I just go knock on his door? This was such a brazen, brutal predator. He absolutely had to be caught. To learn more about how Paul Holes puts himself inside the minds of serial killers, check out episode 725 of The Jordan Harbinger Show. No, and especially if you're not, let's say, you know, we've been dealing with people who are already famous, let's say, you know, I think it's, I've never done a reality show with just like reality people mm-hmm. in, in that. I'm not trying to like compare anything, but like, no, no. it's a thing now. Yeah, different. it's a difference. We know what that is when you say that. Like, so like housewives, like all of that or like back in the day, the real world. I don't even know what's still on, but like, you know, <laughs> it, it's like you're in a pool of um, people who have never maybe been on television yep. from the first season. Yep. And um, I do think that, you know, it is important to stay grounded. However, you know, to each their own, like, well, let me tell you a story. I'll tell you a story. I'll tell you an interesting story from Celebrity Rehab, which was um, I had I was really worried that the cameras were going to affect the people's treatment. And so every day I was very anxious about it. And I was like, are you okay? Is this bothering you? Do you want to you don't want to go somewhere else? You're all right. You okay? Okay. And I was doing that every day. And I was like driving sort of the the people, the patients crazy with that a little bit. And finally, Mary Carey leans into me and she goes, Drew, she was a porn star. I don't know if you know Mary Carey. Mm -hmm. And she leans into me and she goes, uh, Drew, I've done just about everything in front of a camera. I understand what this <laughs> is. And I thought, oh my God. Oh my God. She's right. People like, understand actually, that. yes. Yeah, that's so funny. <laughs> I mean, I, I loved that show. Um, you know, I've been sober for five and a half years now, but like I just really I, I appreciate your work that you Well, let's done. talk about that. because I, I wanted to get into all that too. So what what uh what happened? What what what's going on? Congratulations. Five years Thank is a you. big deal. It's Thank you. people don't understand how big a deal it is. I do. <laughs> Uh, and so what would you like to say about it? Oh, it's a journey, especially the last, I would say, year or two years. I went through a divorce. I divorced the show. I also moved out of um, Los Angeles. So I was living in that, my house for 16 years and mm. it all happened in a year. And that was obviously my choice, you know, mm. um, but it during those times of feeling like um, you don't know what's coming up next or stepping out of your comfort zone, of course, uh, naturally, if I don't stay 
like my my subconscious will go to like let's just numb and drink um and was alcohol your primary drug or exclusive drug yeah. Alcohol. Yeah. yeah. Any, I was a professional number. It's what yeah. I, what I say yeah. that I was. Did you, um, but did you have, did you have some trauma growing up where you oh, yeah. learned about numbing? Yeah. Yeah. I, I got molested when I was a little girl. Um, right. Me and my stepsister who actually recently just passed away though. Um, we haven't, you know, there's, there's, I don't know how much I should say about this other than I, I believe it, it was due to addiction. Um, but we got molested by the same man when we were girl, young girls. And, mm-hmm. um, then from then, you know, that was my parents divorce prior to that. And then mm-hmm. I really didn't really have a father figure. Um, and then I just went through this pattern cause it felt like home mm-hmm. to be in abusive relationships back mm-hmm. to back to back. And then, mm-hmm. um, just dove right into ballroom and the competitive, um, side of ballroom competitions. And, you know, I'm an addict, so it's like, yeah, it's either all or nothing. It's on. It's all, yeah, yeah it's all on. But it's also, but that kind of workaholism is another great way to numb up a bit. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's what I'm currently, I think that I definitely dive into stuff like projects that are just like almost impossible to finish because my goal for myself at times is uh, too numb, but it, now mm. I'm doing it and maybe in a more socially acceptable way. But I'm I'm in therapy um, consistently. I do both somatic and um, cognitive. Um, so it's Fabulous. it's been very helpful. Just to, it's harder for me, obviously you know, through movement and through somatic, it's a lot easier for me to point yeah. out where in my body I'm feeling anxiety or whatever is coming up than it is to translate it into the English language. <laughs> well, uh, you know what, though? I, I would argue that that's kind of an asset. Uh, it, like anything, it can work against you. But most people have struggled getting connected to their body and mm-hmm. understanding that the body keeps the score and that the body is right. the source of so much. If you're at least able to do that, you're you're ahead of the game. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think it, I think also when I the reason why I love dance so much, I think it was my my way of um, just letting it out without mm-hmm. having to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I I think in the new year I'm coming out with a program, a somatic type program called Body Fabulous. Language. Oh, congratulations! Where, That's a big deal. Thank you you yeah, doing the EMDR or anything like that? I have done it, but yeah. I just I'm more on a consistent level. You know, obviously I have a sponsor and I'm active in the program, but right. I also have my therapists and stuff like that it's a lot of work it's not easy it and- is a lot of work it, it, you're healing you're healing from a major hit you know i mean yeah. it's like if you were broken a bone and had to get physical therapy it's it's work yeah. it takes time and uh people want magic fixes you know fix me now tell me something that's going to fix fixes. me it's like, mm-hmm, it takes time yeah. like the and- whole um ayahuasca i mean i'm not judging it like for to each their own obviously but uh, you know there was a opportunity <laughs> to do this um yeah. I, I won't say more than on television put it that way and i was mm. just like i i just i take pride in the work that i've done because it hasn't been easy but it's also not there are no quick fixes in my head so so I, so I i will to to sort of contextualize the ayahuasca stuff so it's complicated right yes, there, sure. there's, there's no doubt there will be use of psychedelics and and hallucinogens in some structured careful utility in mental right. health uh, I've seen horrible consequences, and, and I'm, they're continuing to mount. Uh, and I've seen some therapeutic efficacy. I've seen some effect. Um, some, uh, you know, they, as long for 20 years, I've seen patients going down to Costa Rica to get ayahuasca and ibogaine and stuff. And um, it, I would say, I'd say one patient had sustained abstinence. And I'm not, I don't, and I look at that case, and I think I didn't think the guy was an addict. I think he was just dependent, and it helped him get through his withdrawal thing. Right. But the addicts, the addicts all went back after six months. 
And almost every one of them had personality changes. And that scared the mm. hell out of Yeah, isn't that scary? <laughs> when you're getting, no. Right. So it's one thing to change your personality in therapy. You're in control of your changes. Right, right. If you take a chemical that changes who you oh, are. Oh, I just got chills. That scares yeah, the shit that, out of me. And it's ethically like insanity. So that all worries like, me. Like that you don't have to be, I mean, you don't have to answer this, but like what, yeah. what, what, I'm just so curious about this. Like I, I, I mean, it's changing the the system in your brain like you're changing yeah. actually yeah. the chemistry that's going on and what the type wiring. of personality the wiring what type of personality like, they changes? were they were more um distant and and kind of blunted in their affects their affects were sort of flat a little bit they weren't these are people who these are addicts you know these are people who are usually yes. very big and of all course. over the place and they it would be sort of um gosh circumspects kind of the word like like not connected to people the same way they were and you know and if you look back in the literature all the way back to the 60s they will literally say things like yeah we see these personality chains but they seem happier so anyway and they just move on it's like whoa 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 i remember seeing that back in the 80s reading that going wait a minute this is a big deal because i started seeing i was taking care of a lot of the uh rock musicians from the 60s who did a lot of lsd and uh, not not so much the stars, but the background singers and musicians and things. I saw a lot of those back in the 80s and early sure. 90s. And those people ended up in nursing homes. They, they were non-functional. It, it was odd. And so I started looking around for what what is what's going on here. I didn't, I just, you know, and there was some of the literature has always been very distorted and bad. That's so but fascinating have, to me. having said all that, though, I have some excellent colleagues. I mean, really high quality colleagues. Who are very enthusiastic about it? Yes. So, I, so yes. there's going to be something. There's going to be. Yeah. I think it's primarily going to be in the realm of, but, of recalcitrant mood disorders. I think that's really where it's going to get used. And and what what is your thoughts on the whole um, MDMA? You know that is exclude. I talked to the guy who's the head of the uh, multidisciplinary society for academic for uh, multidisciplinary society for psychedelic studies, uh-huh. and and he did the study on MDMA, and he said, look. He goes, I, this is the only positive study we have. It is clearly positive. It yeah. is only for recalcitrant, treatment-resistant PTSD. And then he emphasized to me, he said, in the hands of a well-trained therapist, this is of course, somebody that really know what yes. they're doing. It's not just yes. take MDMA and sit down and have a nice time together. <laughs> Hug a speaker. Yeah, yeah you really, yeah. really have to have somebody who knows what they're doing. And I thought, yeah. okay, yeah, that seems sensible to me because it recalcitrant PTSD. I mean, you you're at your wits' end trying to find things to help those people, so it makes sense. And is this, is this considered a quick fix? No, no, it's just considered another therapeutic option when you've tried everything else. That's all. Got it. Yeah, quick fix. Look, even the ones that let's say make you not crave heroin or something, or make your mm-hmm. mood better, you still have a shit ton of spiritual, personal, sure. personal work to do, yes. and that takes time. Yes. I'm interested that yes. you said it's been a lot of your big changes have been in the last year because I want to emphasize that that you know it's it's you're that's four years into your recovery you start making big change you know right no yes you it's know? been a long four years but also fast you <laughs> right. but you know people like oh, I got a year it's like yes you got a year it's wonderful but now look oh, back yeah. at that year and think how confident you were at six months I promise you at two years you'll look back at one year and go oh whoa I had a lot more work to do and mind you I'm I'm, I'm still scared of these changes like it doesn't you know 
I did it because I, I, I do credit the work that I've done, but it's not, it wasn't, it's still not easy. Like it's mm-hmm. not easy, but it, but does it make me feel better to kind of look at myself in the mirror and be like, wow, I'm proud of me. And I res- have so much self-respect that I didn't have. Um, and it is a very much about blaming other people. I'm taking full accountability. It's just that we evolve as humans and we, you know, it's time to, uh, move on if you don't feel that this environment is the best place for you mentally too. You, you know, I've been thinking, you know, trying to explain what, you know, why it's so time consuming for people. And I've been working a lot on health and fitness and stuff lately. And mm-hmm. I started thinking, you know, when it comes to mind changes, body changes, fitness changes, your body wants to stay where it is. Your brain, your body wants, to, it just doesn't want to move off where it is. No matter how pathological, it just right. wants to stay there. You could be like obese, it wants brain. to stay there. You can yeah. be skinny, it wants to yeah. stay there. Yes, you yes. Know, you're yes. depressed, it wants to stay there. And in, 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 for whatever reason, that's how we evolved. But, but in, with the brain, I'm all of the, of the opinion that when you change and grow, some part of you feels grief for mm-hmm. what you, for losing that part of you that you were. You have to, you have to, that part of you has to die and you have to become somebody else. And so grief and grief is an extremely powerful emotion. It keeps us away from doing things. And you're nodding very vigorously, like you you get what that it's is. Safe. It, I mean, it hurts. It's it's not the best feeling in the world. Yeah, but you've got you have to do it. You have to yeah. do it because you you want to get better. You want to grow. You want to be whatever it is you're supposed to be, and it means leaving something else behind. And your brain yeah. did not like it. Flight five sixty two is. Oh my gosh! Oh my gosh, Brooke, we're gonna miss our flight. We didn't finish the promo. Can we just record it on the plane? I will not be that person. What if we record it in the bathroom? Ew! No, that is disgusting. <laughs> well, we'll just have to go off the cuff and tell everyone about our podcast right now, called Gals on the Go. Well, we are two gals constantly on the move with weekly conversations about friendship, navigating your twenties, relationships, trends, and just our exciting, chaotic lives. With Brooke Michio and Danielle Carolyn, please come to well, the gate. Well, I think it's time to board now, but this should be enough, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm sure they won't use it. But in case they do, new episodes of Gals on the Go drop every Wednesday. Find us wherever you get your podcasts. Is it true when they say you can't, your brain doesn't, can't tell between a a lie and the truth? Some parts of the brain. It's it's so complex. It's complicated. Yeah. Yeah. It, but but I remember I was uh, I did a lot of therapy myself and I was probably uh-huh. six years into therapy maybe seven and I looked at my therapist and I said you know I think I've been depressed for the last two years I've been in like in this and there's this whole theory that you get into what's called the depressive mode which is essentially grief you're 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 moving so far away from who you were you you're in this constant state of grief like oh and yeah. uh, it's 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 not. <laughs> You know, it's not fun, but it's it's nourishing. And so what Rich. I normally would do would run away from the grief, right? Yes, so I would try and then it would just hit me like a ton of bricks. And then that would obviously up the ante with my alcoholism. And, and if I if you'll permit me, I you know, we are you and I you and I probably last talked to each other fifteen years ago or something. And, Whoa, and I, really? I think maybe ten. Well then I was heavily drinking then. Well, not only that, but <laughs> I, I can always see when people are doing that. But but I you also your affect is much brighter and wider and you're more engaged and more connected, even Thank through you. the electronic media like we're doing it. 
which is really great to see. I mean, it really is wonderful. Thank you. That means yeah. a lot to me. My therapist yeah. says um, that I'm more vulnerable via Zoom than I am in person with her. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, we're working on it. We're working on it. Oh, isn't that funny? So I'll just keep yeah. talking to you via Zoom. Yeah. That's perfect. Yes, please. So please. <laughs> works much better. I still have my wall up. You know I why? Just... that make, I was going to say it makes perfect sense as a you know sexual abuse survivor yeah. that the physical is where the threat comes in. Of that course. Makes, that yes. makes perfect sense. Interesting. Yes. And it's also interesting how why I would choose ballroom dancing, right? as um Tell as a what, contact it's a what? contact sport like the i guess i don't know if that's interesting but it's like for me it was it was interesting that i guess i was very quiet as a little girl my mom would say that um you know and then she took me to a hearing specialist who thought i my mom originally thought i was deaf but it wow. was the trauma and the ptsd wow. um and that's what the hearing doctor told her as well and Ooh. then it it I didn't really talk much, I would say, until I was forced to talk here in Los Angeles um, when I, I'm not living in LA, but anyway, here in this area. Mm. And um, until I was forced to do these interviews, you know, it was very much, I was very, I don't know, I had no identity, zero identity. Mm. And I feel like I'm just learning who I am now, you know. Yeah, Yeah. well, you're developing into that. Yeah. It's so interesting. Uh, and of course, you said earlier, it's the, the physical is easier than the ver- verbal, mm-hmm. which is really, really interesting. You know, this is, it's, it's intense. And I, I can feel you sort of sinking into something. I don't know what right now, but, but I don't mean to bring all that <laughs> I mean, back no, up. I love it all. I love okay. it all. It's very therapeutic. I don't love it. Like I don't love it, but like, yeah. I know it's definitely going to help maybe at least one person. But I, but I see I, how easily I, get, I I think I'm reading this, how easily the shutdown kind of creeps. Yeah, in. I know. I know. Yeah. I feel it all in my body right now. Yeah. I could see it creeping in. <laughs> and, and, but back to ballroom dancing, in a way it is a traumatic reenactment that you're in control of because the physical is really the Are you all in control, Dr. Drew? Or what? Or what? Are we really all in control of everything though? When you're, when you're ballroom dancing? No, I mean just like in general, like when you say like you're in control, but like no, 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 no. Is... Uh, control. Are you, you, First step, honey, you don't have any control. <laughs> so you can't let go of all that. Yeah, exactly. But I'm saying the fact that you chose, you chose right, all the dancing was kind of a weird traumatic yeah. enactment where you were trying to maintain control yes. over physicality, yes. right? Yes, 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 yeah. yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Actually, it was my parents who chose ballroom dancing for me. My stepdad and my mom decided to, um, they were looking for like a family sport and tennis wasn't doing it or golf. So, you know, they're like, why don't you try ballroom dancing? And um, I was like, absolutely not I thought it was just for old people <laughs> mm. and um in the bay area where i'm from we went to a local dance competition saw kids my age um just dance like crazy and i was coming from the ballet world where uh. you know, i i actually um is this true by the way that when you do get molested or there's child abuse involved that you develop at an earlier age as a woman you you the any any stress can um like emotional or physical stress can bring on puberty and yeah, the, so I the, the, the theory is the theory is that when if a child is in a very stressful situation, mm-hmm. the biology says reproduce quick because you're not going to last very long. Interesting. You know what I mean? Well, I got yeah. mine when I was nine. Mm-hmm. I think that's pretty young. Yeah. And then that was when I developed hips and then the ballet world just wasn't for me. Okay, I get it. Um, so then I switched to ballroom. That was it. That's the story. <laughs> And if, were you into it from the beginning? It's your whole life. It's so crazy how it became well, I'm such an a addict, thing. right? So I was like, yeah, okay, all right. So you went all the way in. Yeah, yeah, you went all the way. Good. Well, it's. I mean, listen. Yeah. <laughs> addiction, as I always say, is in the human genome for a reason. It had. Mm. It has adaptive advantages. You guys are amazing survivors. 
often very rich and creative. And when you do things, you do them all the way. <laughs> do you believe that um, it's hereditary? I don't believe it. I, 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 I know it both scientifically and I've treated 10,000 addicts and I can only think of five where I couldn't see a clear family history. Interesting. I know one that I, there is none, but like that people always have this debate, you know, well, so. when there, when you really don't see it, when it really isn't there, it, it can be one of two things. It can be either a slight genetic predisposition that has mm. skips multiple generations or I don't want to disparage anybody, but sometimes certain personality disorders can really look like drug addicts. And it's it's really, it's actually a personality disorder, but they get drug dependent. They behave like addicts. They respond to addiction treatment, but they're not really drug addiction. And those cases I was talking about, the fun, the handful I've seen that didn't have drug, didn't have a clear family history, were definitely in that category. Interesting. And, and there are certain subpopulations genetically that have kind of, I'll just put the word special in there, kind of unusual manifestation, special of addiction. So Ashkenazi Jews. I'm Ashkenazi. I just found yeah. out. Yeah. So Ashkenazi Jew and, and Han Chinese have sort of interesting manifestations of addiction. My father yeah. was an addict. He's He passed away. But yeah. yeah. It comes yeah. in. It comes yeah. in. And, uh, it, and right. if it's, I wonder why Ashkenazi and like why so specific with the, you know. You know, it's it's the only time you see addiction without alcoholism is in that oh. population. Isn't that weird? Yeah. Think huh. about it. All the addicts you know are also alcoholics, except right. if you, except some of the Ashkenazi Jews, where you'll find painkiller, benzo, stimulant, without and no alcoholism. And of course, you know we obviously in the program you can't use mind-altering substances, and right. And people always tell them you're going to have a problem with alcohol, and I have to say under my breath, no, you, it's possible you're not, but still yeah. to maintain sobriety, you've got to do this properly. So. But like also, I would say it too because I'm 53. percent Who knew? My dad yeah. lied to me when he was alive. Um, but he, uh, I, I get it. I mean, I am with anything like anything that I'm mm. doing. It's mm. like wow, tunnel vision. I guess is a nicer way than. But think, but think about I what an a- asset that is, right? People think. Yeah. See, I, I really, I have this tremendous problem with people thinking about addiction pejoratively. It's, it's not. It, I every. One of the reasons I like working with addiction is the people who get this condition are mm. extraordinary. Look around mm-hmm. the room and the rooms mm-hmm. you're in. They're always extraordinary people and smart oh, people. I love and, them all. And, yeah. So they're the when they're never, are fascinating. The stories are hysterical. They're some of the funniest people ever. Yeah. And 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 they're in their recovery are these incredibly rich human beings. Yes. And yes. they may do horrible, shitty stuff. Yeah. I mean, I I was struggling um I'm trying to get on Russell Brand's podcast. I've got some oh, scheduling problems, but yeah. but people sort of get at me with that. I said, "Hey, listen. First of all, yes, believe the believe the person that's accusing him. She should have her day in court. He he should he should want to clean this up because he did it in his disease. You have to make a man. I'm so sorry. What happened to him? I don't even really know. Somebody accused oh. him of rape or something. I, oh. I really don't know the detail, but some sort of sexual misconduct. Okay. And he was been very open forever about right, right, right that. Yes. And and my thing is, hey. And some of the people who were sort of, I was just discussing this, were in recovery. And I said, do you want to be held accountable for everything you did when you were in disease and mm-hmm. not give you any possibility of redemption, forgiveness, and growth? And you have to you have to be that that you were in your disease forever? Are you kidding right. me? That's right, the right, opposite right. of the principles of recovery. It's about forgiveness. It is about the richness that you become and cleaning up your side of the street. So clean up your side of the street. Right, but right, right, right. Then, it's, oh, then that's it. Then that's it. And some and for some people, cleaning up their side of the street, like I bet patients have had to go to prison to clean up their side of the street if they, they just turn themselves in. 
it's a little more complicated <laughs> than that, you know, because, yeah. you know, you're also not supposed to harm yourself, of but you're course. also, you're supposed to make an amends and you have to decide what that is. Yeah. And, and I've had people, you know, really have to, have to do it, have to make it right. That's and, huge. Yeah. And it's powerful when people do it. They, 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 I don't think they'd stay sober without doing it. Without oh, I got to think about that one because I'm currently there at that step. So I need to think, first of all, it took well, forever for step three. So, but well, I finally passed it. So first of all, step three, and for that matter, four and five, yeah, exactly. um, they should take forever. They, of course, need like it. It's okay because I always make people revisit it because yeah. the first time around they rarely do it. They really, really do it. It's a, it's a process. And it's I literally hard. went through my phone book, uh, Dr. Drew, and I was like, uh-oh. This is crazy. <laughs> you're for the amends. For the amends. Yes, you're the amends. Yes. So, yes. so, so the the one thing I would tell you is to keep, and you're far enough along that you can do this properly, because if you tried to do an amends in your first year, it would. Be... Oh, oh no, no, I would, I would have gone back to the uh, bottle. <laughs> that or which happens. Trust me, that does happen. Or, or you would have put it on the person that we were trying to make the apology to. Totally. Yeah, I see that happening. Yeah, for sure. So think less in terms of apology and more in terms of cleaning up your side of the street. And, and also for yourself, like to live with that in my body, that mm -hmm. resentment is not necessarily something I want to live with. It's 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 for you and it's for living right with something bigger than yourself. It, it is. Amen. And it, it's it's a thing. It's a it's a and it, it is. This is a great example of how hard it is. It's really so hard. If you ever do Dancing on the Stars, I would love to pick your brain on like the psychology behind. I do think this is fascinating. Like just the mind games that play within not just Dancing on the Stars, but like reality television and mm -hmm. like, you know, all of this is just an experience, right? Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. I think they make this very clear on like a show called Love is Blind. And like it is an experiment. It's an experience. It's just like where you're testing out what works and what doesn't, but you happen to do it in front of millions of people watching you, you know? So it's, um, and even for me, it's like when I'm so consumed as I do, get obviously um when i'm so consumed with like the show like there was nothing else around me i don't even know you know i i it's interesting now that stepping out of it how mm. my perception has changed a little bit in a good way or, or you're a good little way. more no, in a good yeah. way but yeah. i also and also i wouldn't i don't regret it like it is what it is and i'm yeah and that's who i am and i think that it was great at that time you know yeah you should feel good about it yeah, it, it, you know, you, not only did you, you you brought that experience to millions of people and they loved it. Yeah, that, that has value. Yeah, you know, totally. uh, I was just thinking about the the sort of experience part of this, and and a lot of people miss the viewers don't understand that if you're going to be participating in, you know, any aspect of these kinds of shows, I, I don't know what it's like with Dance with the Stars, with the stuff I've been involved with at least almost as without exception, mm -hmm. the consenting process is extensive. You know, we, each adult knows what they're getting into. <laughs> they, it's, it's made abundantly clear a million, <laughs> 10 ways from, you know, Tuesday yeah, yeah. That, that what you're getting into, what you're consenting to. And so it, it's not, you know, this idea that somehow people are being duped into this or something. It's like, yeah. of course, it's different than what you, you know, different when you're in, right? right? You never know what it's like till you're in, but it's not like you go in. No, like, you're not being you forced. Know, forced or coerced or, or no. tricked or anything. No, no. They, in fact, I, in special forces, I remember thinking to myself like, oh no, they, 
they they were very clear. They talked about it this way. I didn't quite get it, but yep, they were I mean, quite maybe clear. Maybe it's about a it. small fine print, but you know that's your job. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it. yeah. And they, and they want to be sure that your family and your lawyer and your everybody has looked at it right. too. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. V, do you think we give too much advice on this podcast, <laughs> girl? This is a podcast. The advice does hit way harder when you cuss with it. Yeah, and we do plenty of that. This show, it ain't for kids. <laughs> Definitely not for the kids, but we do talk a lot about family. I mean, it comes with the territory and with a show called Baby Mama's No Drama. I just wonder if people get the gist of the ad we just did. You mean like the massive billboard in Times Square? That one. Well, yeah, that <laughs> one, but also this one, right? I guess I should introduce myself. I'm Kale Lowry. And I'm V Rivera. And we're the hosts of Baby Mama's No Drama Podcast. The Webby Award-winning Baby Mama's No Drama Podcast. Two baby mamas chatting it up about life, bedroom talk, family, and whatever drama we are trying to get out of the way. All while being just a little bit explicit. No, a lot bit. explicit. <laughs> so listen to us, the Baby Mama's No Drama Podcast. Wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, so there's there this idea that so on one hand the reality that the, the idea that reality shows are exploitative I think is is because you've never seen how it goes you don't well it's different when what... you're talking about like those um show, dance shows with the little girls that really you know yeah I forgot what it's called well that's the question because can can the parents can, there's there's various things on the scene on the theme can, can parents oh, consent for a little kid for uh dance what was that called yeah. well. I got toddlers, to know jo- toddlers and tiaras or something like that, which is another very similar thing. But I got to know Joja Siwa. She seemed to love all that stuff. She did dancing at the stars. Yeah, so I, I don't know. So it's hard yeah. for me to. Yeah, and yeah, I mean for sure, it's always been complicated though with that type of stuff. I think. Yeah. Anyway, all I know is if I ever adopt a kid, I I don't know if I would ever allow her or him to. I don't know, something I wouldn't allow because then I'd feel bad for not allowing. But I don't necessarily think the ballroom industry and the competitive world, like I was traveling and spending my summers in England. I didn't have a chaperone, you know, Mm. at 13 years old. I mean, that's when I lost my virginity. And that's like a lot of this stuff, you know, it's a domino effect. Yes. Uh, But then there's also a fine line of like being a crazy dance mom and (laughs) controlling my kid and also like letting my kid just spread it his or her wings and fly, you know, I don't know. Yeah. It, it, these are, these parenting choices are really hard yeah. because anything that's exceptional can cut either way. Oh, <laughs> you know oh, what I mean? For sure. For you sure. can end up with exceptionally positive experience or an exceptionally yeah. negative experience. Well, it's also, there's a gray. I mean, it's not all or nothing, I guess. Yeah, that's I'm true too. That. That's true that. too. <laughs> yes. Well, that's, again, that's your trauma stuff where it's yeah. all, all, all black, all white kind of thinking. Yeah. Um, so you're thriving, you're doing well, or has your personal life? Not non-existent, but I wouldn't say that it's non-existent. I'm dating myself and I'm really learning to, like I said, find out who I am. And, um, I owe that to, to me because it's always been, um, it's been the same pattern. And I know that until I untrain my brain, you know, how can I rewire it? It's like, I don't want to do this ball in that same pattern I'm not yeah. blaming the men, you know, it's my, it's me that, you know, I, my, my picks were that. Your, your picker's broken. Yeah. The, 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 uh, the trauma scrambled your picker. Exactly. And, and, and so tra- really traumatic reenactments, it. isn't it crazy how humans do that? We just reenact the most horrible things and we just, that's what we do. Do you believe in ancestral trauma? Like I, I, 
Do you I, think that there's a thing? I, such a there thing? is. I feel there's. There's no doubt that intergenerational transmission of trauma occurs. The the doubt is how does it how does it transmit? Right. Is it just that everybody that every parent re-traumatizes the kid, <laughs> maybe, uh, and then passes that through? Or is there some epigenetic thing, or is there some collective consciousness? It sort of doesn't matter to me. It gets through. It, it's you know, trauma comes through many generations sometimes, yeah. And uh, we have to pay attention. Unless you want to change it, but that takes a lot of work. Takes all back to being a lot of work again. <laughs> yes, it takes a lot of work. But I'm not but, saying that's the reason why I'm a bad picker. I'm a bad picker because of the trauma I believe that happened, and then the no yeah. father figure, and then yes. me feeling like the abuse. Like I was so turned off. I mean, when I was a little girl, I remember not little girl. I was a teenager already dating, and I remember my the nice person that would come in my life. I was disgusted. You would be you would be disgusted or bored. Totally disgusted. Yeah. So you really you recoil. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's a hard one to overcome, right? So that's a very powerful oh, emotion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're you're, yeah. you're fighting you're fighting that and you have to sort of rewire so people that are not so appealing become more nourishing in some way and that you find you find that attraction and stuff. So so this is all sex and love addiction stuff, right? So are you, can you talk about that stuff or you want to talk about I, I believe it all comes from there for me, at least like it, 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 I feel like that's more common than what I think a lot of people who uh, may not know a lot about sex and love addiction or addiction in general, they think, oh, you're a sex addict. Like you like to have sex. Like it's like, no, this is not what yeah, this is. Much more complicated. It is kind of maybe, I mean, like I know I am an anxious attachment. Like it's that, that wanting to fill, um, that void, I guess, maybe I didn't receive when I was, a, I know I didn't receive as a little girl, right. I don't want to say maybe, um, but I trying to find it outside of myself yep. constantly. Another drug. And always feel, oh my God, and it's a good one. It's a good one. Because <laughs> uh, it always gets me every time. But yeah, I think, I wouldn't say I'm isolating myself right now because that's not what I'm doing, obviously. Oh, you need some abstinence. You need to have some abstinence yeah. to figure yes. out. And what happens in abstinence you grow very, very quickly. I mean, literally and, abstinence, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not dating uh, at all. Like my Frenchie, maybe. My French bulldog, that's about yeah, it. Yeah, but but if you were in a relationship and you needed to grow, the relationship holds you where you are. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. you will be attracted to and by different people as you grow in the program and in your therapy and stuff. And it, it's great. And uh, it's, it's good that you know it and you're, you're, you're focusing on that. I think most people sort of understand sex they don't really understand sex love addiction they understand codependency mm-hmm. and, and and i get and i get to i sort of explain to people through the prism of codependency that sex and love addiction is kind of where that goes and people kind of understand that they can kind of see that yeah. then they don't focus on the sex part They're, they say oh oh the boundaries the yeah. needing the intimacy trouble and that's going to be your biggest problem is, I guess, uh, intimacy with people that you used to be disgusted by. And even, <laughs> but, and, but I find myself like my um, therapist and I, we both watch Love is Blind, for example. And I mm. try to, um, like whenever I have a feeling pop up, let's say something triggers me or mm. um, maybe there's a nice guy. I try mm. and quickly, if I am present enough, I try to quickly try and see where it naturally feels in my body. Like, is it, is it that disgusted feeling again? Or, <laughs> or is it that like, Oh yeah, maybe I would DM this guy or whatever, you know, they do know. It's going to surprise you when you do have any kind of warm, you know, attractive feelings. You're going to be like, well, where'd that come from? What is You're that? Right. But also it could be like maybe in the beginning and then there's something, and then I did, there is one person on this current season where I was like, 
oh no. And then it's just started getting, it start, I started going back to, and then I know my brain's not health, 100% healthy yet. Also, also you you will always have some attraction for the wrong types. I know. That, that won't go away completely. <laughs> Never? It, no, really? No, in fact, you have to get to the point where you, if you feel lightning bolts, you will know what that means and to right. get away. Run. Yeah, run. Because that your body is a perfect instrument, and yeah. uh, if you have that trauma and that heritage and that pattern, you, you're perfect. It's a perfectly aligned <laughs> instrument, and it will it will right. react every time. And you now know for sure, even if it's in a different package than you're used to seeing, you know for sure your body just told you where that's going. Absolutely. And now the question is, do I listen to it or do I not? Well, it's going to be hard. To, it's hard to listen to it unless you develop the other side. Where you can yeah. find richer relationships in a, in a different place, and, and that's yeah. that's what right. you got to go work on. It's interesting. It's this whole thing is just fascinating, Matt. It, it, just it, the, the what you're talking about, not not my story. What, it, I, what you're talking about, it, yeah. it is. But you, you, yeah. but your your ability to articulate is pretty um, uh, above average. You should write about it because I think it oh. could help other people. Do you do you read PM Melody stuff? I do. Yes, yes, yeah. yes, yes. I just love it all. Like right now, I'm in this phase of my life where I'm. Just, I want to be a student. You know, and I really want to learn. I'm just craving, and I love all this stuff that you're talking about. So, yeah, well, you're, but you're you're actually you're not just talking about it. You're in it, and that's what yeah. makes it that's what makes it heal. Is actually, you know, you can, I I always use the the learning part of it to convince people what it is they need to do. Well, right, right, <laughs> you know? right, yeah. right. It's not right. going to fix you learning about it. It's going to tell you <laughs> no. this. Now you got to go do the work. Well, that's but the hard learning, part. <laughs> learn, yeah. And learning and doing the work, though, can be yeah. very, very interesting and very rich. And it's overwhelming. Kind of, it's not all great. Overwhelming. And and I'm guessing you have kind of an intimacy, not I don't want to say disorder, but intimacy is tough it's for you. It's a disorder. Disorder, yeah. Don't so, even okay, be shy. Well, so most, no, listen, but most sex and love addicts, when, when I talk to them, you know, they may have lots and lots of relationships and they'll always turn I to me and go. I don't actually nope. at all. But, but listen, the, the, the point is they'll always turn to me and go, but I just want to have a relationship with somebody because they're not really having relationships. They're not, they're, they're in, they have intimacy, they're disordered intimacy. And so right. they're doing all these things, but it, none of it is real. None of it's really close. None it's, of it's just intimate. there. Like I have 12,000 friends, but like, what, where's the substance? Is that what you mean? It, it's or it's, like, it's no... like filling with, it's trying to fill the hole with drugs is really what it is. And mm -hmm. rather than real connection. Yeah. Real yeah. Time. Yeah. It's actually scary <laughs> for me because like I can count maybe on maybe on one hand like the because you also really know who your friends are as well, I guess, too, when you were just completely changed my whole life. Right. That was a choice I, I made. And um, it's it's always been about like not always recently. It's been about quality over quantity. Um, yeah, but true. I have realized there's not a lot of quantity. Mm, you'll get there. Yeah. There'll be more. They, uh, yeah. be, be patient. You're, you're really doing it right. And uh, it, it pays dividends. It's so it's so rich when people do the work you're doing. It really is. Yeah. So uh, it's just yeah. it's inspiring to me to see it. And congratulations. And I, I and I can I, I see it on you. I feel it. I, I, I'm watching it. And uh, it's amazing. But I'm also I also saw that uh, shutdown creep in every once in a while. And it, Wait, what was it that triggered me? I don't even remember. It was almost nothing. You just sort of, it sort of crept in. And uh, so, so you have to kind of, you know, it's powerful. It it's is. powerful stuff. And, it uh, you know, it's all these things, even these things that, that you now consider a problem, everything, you know, nothing cannot be also an asset. Mm -hmm. So somehow it, you'll, you'll incorporate it into parts of yourself that it's not strictly a liability any longer.
So. Yeah, no, I hear you. Thank you. So listen, did I miss anything? Is there anything else you wanted to push out there, Definitely promote, not. talk about? Definitely I'm not. I'm sitting here in the dark. I'm sorry I don't have proper lighting where I am, but I thought it was just like a vibe. <laughs> it's not even a vibe. I, I had to. I got kicked out of my studio. My wife is actually oh. tearing it apart today, and oh. and um, <laughs> built rebuilding it in the next week. Oh, nice and you, you're the first <laughs> podcast outside of the studio i thought this was dr drew after dark is this not that one <laughs> no it's not that one that one that one's even brighter it's, you know, it's kind of a different okay. five dark but you're That's welcome fine. on that one too if you're an awesome okay. i would love to i'd love to um, so uh again tell people where they should go if they want to find yes. you with, uh, yeah podcast. Um, my podcast at sex lies and spray tans is on instagram but mainly just listen to it wherever you listen to podcasts really we um, it, sounds, it are... sounds like a I bet it's going to do well. It's got a, it's a great, yeah. it's a great adjunct to a very, very popular product. We have uh, Leah Remini coming on uh, soon. And then we have, you know, it's just the show's currently on. So I'm doing recaps and it's interesting being an audience member looking in now and trying to see things that I've never seen before. And mm -hmm. um, it's fun just to be able to be my own judge. With no it's it's in also interesting to watch all the, the host stuff happen. No. I mean, Tom is, I, I haven't known Tom for a long time. Tom. You know what a great guy and, you know, Alfonso is this incredibly talented guy. And I, I thought Tom's response to that was like, good for him. You know, it's like, yes, yeah. it is good for him. It probably is. It's like, it's great it, for him. You know, and so all these, all the different hosts have been, I thought, really, really good and, and appropriate. Yeah. And I, I feel bad for Tom because he's such a great yeah. guy and he seemed to love the show. I mean, Tom so was also on the podcast. That was a two-parter because it was that juicy. So we had to, uh, uh, it was a three-hour interview, but he had a lot to say. Is he is he good now? Is he all He's okay? great now. He's always been great. It's just, you know, the feelings, you know, like I said, even as a host when he was only there once a week, right? He yeah. still had a clear life. Like it is consuming and yeah, with, yeah. it's hard to separate the two when it comes to per personal and business. Like we're artists. How do you do that? Well, right? not only that, you know, the back to the intensity of this thing. I mean, but people it, it you guys make it look easy, right? And that's sort of part of the part of the game. But having music and production and orchestration and lighting and audience and hosting and rhythm and, and live, it's live television. Yes. Uh, they, I, I did the mass singer and I just thought, Oh, oh my, my gosh, that's God. amazing. The, the production that goes into that is just breathtaking. And I thought to myself, I thought, Oh yeah. Dancing with the scar stars. Same thing. Same, same. Kind oh, of that's next on your list. Dr. Drew, what the hell are you waiting for? I'll see you. I'll see you from my home, season thirty-three. <laughs> <laughs> it's about when I'll get around to it. Even yeah. my shoulders. No, that's, get, that's I, next season, FYI. Oh, oh my God! Really? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Listen, if it um, if my shoulders heal, I will give it very serious consideration. I will. I will give you a dance lesson or two if you decide to do it. I will hold you to that. Are you close yes. enough to Los Angeles still that I can I am. easily yes. get you? All right, good. Cheryl Burke, everybody. Such a pleasure Thank to talk you. to you again. And uh, hopefully I'll come run to get my dance lesson from you. And then time. I'll see you on Sex, Lies, and, and Spray Tans next year. And and uh, I will give you the opportunity at the time of that dance lesson to go, yeah, you're right. This isn't for you. No <laughs> way. Never. So. Never. If I can make Wayne Newton dance, I can make you uh, dance, okay? God. All right. Thanks so much, Cheryl. Bye. Thank you. Right. Bye. Yeah, next time. All conversation and information exchanged during the participation in the Dr. Drew podcast is intended for educational and entertainment purposes only. Do not confuse this with treatment or medical advice or direction. Nothing on these podcasts supplement or supersede the relationship and direction of your medical caretakers. Although Dr. Drew is a licensed physician with specialty board certifications by the American Board of Internal Medicine and the American Board of Addiction Medicine, he is not functioning as a physician in this environment. The same applies to any professionals who may appear on the podcast or drdrew.com.
Hold on to your jingle bells. Pluto TV has all your holiday favorites for free. Enjoy Christmas classics like Scrooge with Bill Murray or Last Holiday with Queen Latifah. Plus, dive into festive channels like holiday movie favorites by Lifetime or Hallmark Movies and more. Download the Pluto TV app on all your favorite devices and start streaming holiday favorites on live channels and on demand. With thousands of free movies and TV shows, Pluto TV is your home for the holidays. Pluto TV. Stream now. Pay never. 